Welcome to Tea Talks Podcast. Produced by Tomorrow London, Tea Talks is a podcast created to diversify the way that we think and talk about leading creative minds. A perfect blend of business and design, this 360 degree approach offers raw, unfiltered conversations with brand founders and directors on the rigorous duality that goes into building the fashion brands of tomorrow. My name is Valeria Garnica, and I am joined with my co-host Stavros Corellis on this episode, where we interview Charles Jeffrey, British fashion designer and founder of the Charles Jeffrey Loverboy label. Hi, Charles. How are you? I'm really good, yes. I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Good. good, good. How how do you prefer for people to call you? I mean, especially when they refer to you, uh, is it Charles Jeffrey or Loverboy? I mean, oh, what gosh. are you most used to it? Um, I guess like just Charles or like my family call me Charlie. But yeah. like in the old days, I guess like that was my sort of like alter ego, like the lover boy. Yeah. That was my kind of blue faced aficionado at the club space. But yeah, it's just Charles now. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Charles, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. We've been so pleasure. excited to have you. And, you know, this has been such a long time coming. And so mm. I'm so excited we're finally doing this. No pleasure. I love this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed, but I... <laughs> my jacket yes. is maybe familiar. Yes, it's very familiar. Oh, I well. do love this denim piece. This is from our spring summer. 21 yes, collection? Yes, I believe. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you yeah. um, about the print. Yes. Where did that inspiration come from? So the print is actually from a collaboration that we did with an artist called Shay Tech. Mm -hmm. So he's this amazing artist that um, actually we were introduced to by uh, the designer who was doing women's at the time, Ru Yen. So it's a friend of hers. And he does these amazing kind of like um, sort of uh, airbrushed uh, artworks that are sort of mm -hmm. about diaspora within yeah. the black community oh, and cool. you know we hadn't really worked with um a, an artist of color so we yeah. were kind of really wanting to introduce that narrative yeah so he did all of these kind of um artworks about queer wellness and so this was some sort of reference to i think um i think it's our fox but then done in a kind of like queer wellness Shay Tech kind of way. Very cool. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a weird deep No, it's it, amazing. But. I um when I first saw it, I just I absolutely fell in love. You know, when you walk into a store and it just your eye goes straight to a certain piece. Okay. Um and so I was so happy with it. I loved the lines. And then when I got home, I was like, oh, they're snakes. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, the lines are so cool. And then yeah. I realized later, but no, it's it's absolutely amazing. No, thank you. Yeah, it's really nice. I think it's one of our like kind of like it's nice to sort of see some of the more wearable pieces that we do, like yeah. kind of like work for people. Cause I think sometimes people look at Lover Boy and just think it's kind of like mad, <laughs> crazy kind of theater costume a la punky, I don't know, Technicolor, but like there is actually like wearable pieces or there always has been. So yeah. Yeah, it's nice to see it worn by someone lovely like you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank but, you. But print has played such an important part of your life. I mean, I was, I think mm. I was reading somewhere that when you were young, you want to be like a cartoon artist or something like that. You like to, to draw. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. So like I was a real nerd when I was younger. So like I was like so into video games, like me and my yeah. friends were like a bunch of Poindexters and like we used to play like Dungeons and Dragons oh. and we used to play like Lord of the Rings in the forest. Like I used to always be like a wizard with a stick like it was like such a lol but then one of my <laughs> friends Jamie was like really intelligent and he mm. came up with this like game which was kind of a bit like Dungeons and Dragons but he'd sort of evolved it and then mm. he asked me to like draw all of the characters for it so like I used to 
do all of that. And then I used to just like sit, I mean, before obviously like social media and stuff, yeah. like, I mean, I used to play video games loads, but like I used to just sit and draw like characters for hours. Mm. I would draw like battle scenes. I was really into like X-Men mm. and like people had superpowers and like comics and stuff. So I would draw my own scenes and scenarios. I'm just sitting and do that for like hours and hours and hours. So I think at the beginning, I really wanted to get into like video game design mm, or like mm. kind of animation mm. or, yeah. or things like that. Um, and then I just realized I was gay and fabulous and then was like, actually, do you know what? I think I want to do fashion. Well, actually, yeah. I did want to try and go into like costume design because I realized there was more, mm. you could be more kind of like expressive, expressive and do like, if I wanted to do a huge spider outfit, then I could do that via that yeah. mechanism. But then I think as I grew up and I grew, got more into like, music and kind of culture mm. i realized yeah. that fashion was something a bit more like i could actually make a career out of it for and stuff, sure so. yeah and you know i think it's really interesting that you mentioned culture um mm. somewhere you know i was i was seeing that you moved around a little bit when you were younger yeah um can you tell us about that and maybe how that you know informed your development as an artist yeah for sure so um my father um he was in the military so when he met my mom um, he's not my biological father, but he when he adopted me, he basically like took me and my mom around um, different kind of areas where he was posted. So we mm -hmm. lived in Wales, we lived in Germany, we lived in um, Surrey. And then when my mum and dad divorced, me and my mum went up to Scotland. And so we stayed there from when I was like 10 until 17. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to London when I was 18. So I kind of always, always kind of hopping around. And I think I was never in anywhere longer than around two years. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was sort of interesting because, I mean, I remember when I was at St. Martin's, I was meeting all of these people, you know, who had like sort of stayed in their one town for ages, like people yeah. like Matty Bovan or yeah. like James Buck from Rotten Dean Bazaar. And they like had developed like their own character and their bedrooms were always like completely you know, representations of who they were. And I never really had that. I always had to move every two months. Mm -hmm. Sorry, every two years. Sorry, two months would have been crazy. <laughs> um, so I think it kind of made me, in a weird way, like reinvent myself every yeah. time because I had to, I had to make new friends exactly. and like exactly. de develop and stuff. Yes. And so I think it's made me quite sociable and able to kind of like adapt to any situation. Right. Yeah. But then I'm also really interested in sort of like changing it up all of the time. Yeah. Like, you know, there's some people who just constantly are reiterating themselves like Matty, which I think is a really amazing aspect. You know, they want to, it's just their art form. Mm. They're doing their thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, like, I think you look at pictures from me from like, over the years, I look different every yeah. year. So I think it's kind of something like that. What was your favorite place out of all of them that you moved when you were between, uh, because between 10 and 17, you stayed in Scotland, right? And then yeah. by 18 years old, you moved in London. So yeah, yeah, did yeah. you have, I mean, did you enjoy Germany or did you enjoy, you know, being... I can like, kind you of, remember, yeah. when I was in Germany, I think I was maybe five, oh, okay. five so to you, seven. Yeah. But do you know what? I actually remember like my first ever, and you could probably class it as a gay memory there, like <laughs> not like in a, like a sexual way. It was just more like... I was really obviously watching like loads of Disney and like mm. cartoons and stuff. Yeah. And I remember there was a boy who used to like cycle in like, we used to live in these like kind of like tower block kind mm. of yeah. houses. And in the middle, it was like a park and a recreation area for the kids. And I remember like, I would like look in the balcony and there was this boy who used to ride his bike and he was like 10 or something. I was probably like five. Mm. And I used to sing like a Disney oh, song, like so love to him. And I, but I just, you know, when you remember really basic things and like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what anything it was, but it's just really weird that it was an, another boy and mm. I was like so young. So like, you know, when sure. people say like, oh, it's your environment that makes you this and all of that. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's so like, you're just born it. And like, I just yeah. had these kind of like weird things. But um, my favorite place was probably um, as a kid, 
I think Wales, because my dad had, um, we were talking about this when I saw him actually at Christmas, um, we had a really big house because mm. usually the army house is kind of like quite quaint. Mm -hmm. um, and I never really understood class then as well because everyone was the same. Right. So like it was actually really nice because I didn't really know that like I had some friends had more money. We all were the same. Mm. We're yeah. all army housing. For sure. Um, and so one time we had like this really big house and then there was a garage and then my dad built for me and my sister like an attic area mm. and then he covered it all in cardboard and so and painted it white so that me and my sister could, could draw and decorate. And then there was those nineties blow up sofas. And then he got me a boom box and then get, introduced me to music. So that was my, oh, that was my space where I could like sit and listen to music and bring my friends. But I was like nine or 10 or something, you know, like eight, nine, 10. So it's like really kind of young, but like quite formative as well. Yeah. My first ever tape that I bought myself was Will Smith. Welcome to Miami. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, wow. That's and so then my funny. first CD was Madonna. Um, beautiful stranger. Iconic. So I think that kind of yeah. says it. <laughs> so you moved in London when you were 18 years old. So yeah. what was your perception of London before you moved in? And then how was it when you just arrived in London? I was obsessed with London. Right. So like, I was like, basically like a horror. Like I was a kid, like into mm. the horrors. I was into like the new rave scene. I mean, it was such an amazing time in London. Mm. Like obviously we look back and lol at some of the outfits, like the whole indie sleaze thing. But actually, if you think about it, like, music and fashion and street style and everything were so like fragrant in London at that time. Mm. And there was just so much like branches of cultures and subcultures that all kind of happened. And then there was a very unique kind of like club scene that was happening in London as well. So there was like Boombox, Pony Step, Nuke yeah. Them All. There was all these nights that were happening in Shoreditch. I remember them. And like, I was just like looking at all of the photos of everyone. Because there was also like a photography culture as well. Yes. There was different photographers that were going. There was like Dirty Dirty Dancing and like some other ones. So like there was this kind of sort of semiotics of the nights happening, all these photos. Yeah. So I was obsessed. I was like looking at stuff from MySpace and like, yeah. you know, it's like you're you're building your brand as well. Like on MySpace, mm -hmm. you're kind of coding your, your sort of yeah. shop front and you're doing self-portrait. I did this for my dissertation, this idea of like self-portraiture and everything. And anyway, so my, I was obsessed with London. I couldn't wait to go down. And when I arrived, I was literally like starstruck, anxious, obsessed. I remember when I went to Pony Step yeah. and saw like everybody dressed up and saw them in the real life. I was like, I was like palpitating. Yeah. I was like freaking out. I was fucking loving it. It was like in the queue, I saw <laughs> Gareth Pugh. Then I saw Christopher yeah. Kane. Then I saw like, like Daniel Lismore and like all these other people. And I was just like, oh my fucking God. Like, yeah. it was intense. It was like amazing. You remember, you know, it was Wednesdays were knock, knock, knock. Yes. You know, Friday was the cock. Yeah. Uh, Boombox, you know, pom I mean, like it was incredible. I remember Cosette actually, you know, like. Yeah, the they're doing the door. Like, <laughs> but she, was, she always let me in. Yeah, same, yeah. same with me. You I, know, like, you like, know, I did a fucking look and I'm sure <laughs> yes. you did as well. I, I'm sure you but, did, you know, yeah. the, one of the best looks ever. But I was so yeah. anxious. I was always like, we have to get there early because I don't want to wait in the queue. And I remember there was a few times where like my mates, when we're at student halls, like they were taking ages. So we were like in the queue and we had to wait there for hours. I remember just saying to myself, like one day I'm never going to have to queue for a club. Like I want to make it that I don't want to have to ever queue. You know, obviously when I have my own club, I, don't know, I would never have to queue for my own club, but yeah. I still quite like it, you know, when it's like a fashion event and then you know someone on the door of the PR and they just yeah. let you in. I'm just like, oh, yes. 
Yeah. It's enormous. <laughs> so it's a nice perk. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So, mm. you know, obviously this was a very transformative time for you. Mm. Um, you know, and while you were going to these events and living your life in London, you were also starting your education mm. um, and formally, you know, being involved in, in fashion in the academic sense. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your experience at Central St. Martin's? Yeah. I mean, it was just like amazing. Yeah. Like it was honestly like I, I'm actually so grateful for like being part of London at that time and then also being able to be at St. Martin's. It was everything I, I dreamed of and more like, yeah. you know, it was like Hogwarts basically. Like, yeah. I mean, I was able to be in the old building at Charing Cross at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I got to see like the same hallways that like McQueen and Galliano were yeah. in. And then like, you know, Louise Wilson was still alive. I mean, I was taught by her as well, but you know, like in the original space. And then there was just all of these characters and quirks. Mm -hmm. And um, then when we did our placement year, you know, we all went off and were in Paris and then there was a bunch of us all together kind of at different houses. I was at Christian Dior. So it was like really amazing just to kind of like be in an LVMH like super house. And then like there had people at Galliano, had people at Givenchy and then we were all kind of meeting up and going out. And it was just like an amazing time. Like, you know, you, I still teach there. So I get to see kids kind of go through the same process. Obviously it's very different now to how it was, but you know, people blossom in that space because, you know, when you're a fashion student, you're kind of reacting to London, you're developing your own style, you're mm -hmm. doing projects and getting validated for your kind of approach. Mm. So you blossom and you develop my, my style and St. Martin's was like, I mean, I look back and still use it as inspiration. Like, right. you know, I was really pushing the boundaries of things and I don't know, I just, it was just so, I'm just so grateful I got to experience it. You know, I really yeah. got like knee deep into the culture mm. yeah. and um you know i was so lucky to be taught by louise wilson as well on my ma that's incredible um, you yeah. know before she died and i had that taste of that classic st martin's education yeah. so yeah loved did, it basically did you, <laughs> did you make any um really good friends while you were in csm in your class were other like fashion designers yeah. that you have kept in touch with or you know other people that you still see to this day and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean there's plenty of people i mean like you know there's um loads of people that are in industry there's loads of people mm. who are doing their own thing now yeah. like i mean like obviously i was just mentioned before like matty and um james at rotten dean yeah. um i'm working with people who are kind of also in PR, you know, there's people that were in my same class that mm -hmm. are now working for me in their PR <laughs> positions. Yeah. Um, you know, there's people that are kind of like doing incredibly well um, who were the year below, you know, there's mm -hmm. people like Grace and Kiko who we used to kind of like hang out with and go to clubs with. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. I remember tutors telling me like, keep in contact with each other, yeah. you know, because you never know who you might need to lean on mm, or like yes. get in touch with. So, you know, I'm glad that I was very social. Like I used to go out all of the time. It's mm -hmm. quite funny. I actually was in Dover Street. And I went to IDA and I saw that Martha Journal was 10 years old. Yeah. And like she was, um, Alexandra was in my uh, group project. Oh, was it? I actually hated her in a group project. We did not get on. <laughs> but then we got on afterwards. But the group projects at St. Martin's, yeah. it's like it's um, FDM, Fashion Line Marketing, which is the course I did. And it's print, knitwear, and then fashion communication, which is the one, the course that Ib Kamara did, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, and Alexandra was on that course for me. And I remember she was being so catty with the stuff that she was like, why, this is not wearable, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you, but like, 
you know but then that's just she's just like that kind of thing but now yeah. I mean I sent her I sent her some gifting from Little Boy recently <laughs> just to be like hey congrats on 10 years of the magazine yeah you know so um, and that's we're coming amazing. up for 10 years next year so it's like quite nice to sort of see these decades yeah well everyone's going to start having their decade moment which yeah. is quite fabulous absolutely so. that's yeah. crazy I mean like when I called you about this podcast yeah you told me about that you're on your 10th year anniversary and yeah. I, I was shocked you know to, I know. to realise that it's already been 10 years yeah. of of, of your brand. You I know, know, I still look at me Yes, so you are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah, uh, tell us a secret. <laughs> oh, God, girl. It's, um, well, it was Botox. I've stopped, yes. <laughs> I've, stopped, I've stopped doing that for a bit. But um, no, I mean, it's, it is crazy. Like, you know, it's 10 years since I did the club night. Um, and that was in uh, 20... Uh, 14 so yeah. it's my 24th birthday was it and let's go to that one to the club yeah. night so yes. how, how all this came up I mean obviously you know now has become such an iconic moment for London and mm. I think um, it plays such an important part uh, to the community you know to the especially to the queer community what you created there mm. so tell us a bit more how I mean I think you created initially you know to raise funds for your MA have I read have I read this correctly or not really you know no no was, no it's, uh, it's, it was, yeah, it, it's, it's true right, I mean yeah. it was never intended I never ever thought I was going to have a club night and right. never it was not my intention it was literally by accident like the famous story is that um, I was working at the Georgian Dragon okay. and then um, Liliana's um, brother Juancho was like, oh, complaining. He was like, oh my God, I've got this night. I've not got anything sorted for. I cannot be bothered to do it. And I was like, oh, when is it? And he was like, it's the 1st of August. I was like, oh, it's my birthday. I was like, I'll I'll just take over the night and I'll just make it my birthday party. And he's like, yeah, cool. Take the slot, whatever. He's like, can I DJ? And I was like, yeah, 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 it's fine. Wow. So then I was like living with a friend of mine um, and we were talking about like what we could do for it. And I was like, God, I miss those nights because it kind of, the nightlife that we just talked about right. had really died down. It had mm -hmm. kind of become really gentrified. There was kind of nothing happening. It was like yeah. maybe FS and a few kind of like South London sort of nights, but there was nothing that was like how it used to be. So I was like, oh, it would be so good if we could make it that everybody dresses up and like, you know, maybe I, oh, I don't know, I was like, maybe I'll just paint myself like my illustrations. Mm. And so then I kind of did this photo shoot where I like drew myself. Well, no, I painted myself like the drawings. And so um, it was just, yeah, like a kind of birthday party but then loads of people from St Martin's turned up and then everybody got dressed up my friend Jack Appleyard did um the set design for it, it was this kissing booth it was all about like um getting together and dating that's why we called it lover boy and then it was like this, this random name anyway it was a huge success and then the owner Lyle who's still a friend of mine now Lyle Hakurai he was like oh you should just do this on a regular basis mm -hmm. and I made I didn't even realize I was gonna make money and I made like 200 quid off of it and I was like oh that's great I could do it yeah. you know any money like that. And then, so we did it again. And then I was like, okay, let's do a proper photo shoot this time for it. And then I wanted it to look like the um, uh, purple or the self-service portraits, you know, like the kind of Warhol, yeah. um, Ezra um, photos. So then we did that. And then it was then even more busy. And then I made something like 500 pounds. And then I was like, wow, okay, like this is something like you keep doing. Yeah. And then it kept, just kept growing and growing. And then yeah. I had like people like Eb Kamara and like everybody in like the photo Gareth Wrighton, who's now at like Days. Like these were people who I was just like working with. And it was just this little project that I was doing on the side of my master's because mm. I was kind of struggling on my master's. I was like not doing as well. And you kind of go through that moment because it's like a huge incubator. And so you kind of go through the kind of breakdown and then you regurgitate yourself again and then you kind of sure. find your process. Mm. Yeah. So I was struggling. And then at the meantime, I was just doing all of this stuff on the side that was just purely for joy. It wasn't for marks. Yeah. It wasn't to try and build a career. I was, didn't think it was going to help me do anything. It was just like, fuck it, I'll just, this is so fun. Mm -hmm. 
And then like I was kind of starting to use some of the, the contacts that I had, like I was working with Show Studio doing illustrations. So I was like, oh, I'm doing I this club that. night. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah like I do drawing remember on rubbish. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 it was so beautiful. You know, I loved it. No, I, was, you know, I literally that. was drawing on rubbish. Oh, like on I was rubbish. drawing on crisp packets and stuff. I thought you said no, it was like no, some no, no, rubbish. No, 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 no. I was like, what? No, babe. No, like I was literally drawing on trash. Yeah. But then they were posting bulletins about it. And so they were like, yeah, Charles Duffield is doing a club night, da, da, da. Um, and the momentum grew and then suddenly I was making like 1,500 on yeah, the door. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck, like, I can, and I nearly had to leave St. Martin's because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to fund. I got a scholarship for my fees, but like not a scholarship to work. Yeah. And like, it frustrates me so much. And I bring this up every time I do an interview about like the education system and like oh, yeah. how now it is literally just a playground for the rich. Like before, when it was the golden years of designers, like your Galeanos and your Queens, they were paid to go to uni. Right. They were given funds to go. They weren't given debt. And mm -hmm. so like, that's why, you know, I was able to stay. I was able to make my own money through just doing one event. Mm. But it's it's not like that now. And that's it's, why it's things have changed. Huge, it's a huge, huge issue, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, lots of times, you know, I'm, I'm part of the BFC scholarships, for example, you know, like, and you see like so many students, mm -hmm. super talented ones, but they cannot afford education. Yeah. Basically, yeah, like, this totally. is very, like it almost becoming so unfair kind of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. But then you have the thing where I was talking to my um, friend, Bradley Sharp, who's another designer. And we were talking because he was doing a, a scholarship um, panel at Nottingham, where mm -hmm. he's um, from. So Nottingham Trent University. And he said, you know, I don't want to pick the person that's just the most talented because sometimes people don't realize that, that they're able to do more work and have Absolutely, the passion for it because yeah. they have the money and the space yeah. to do it. And there's this culture in um, a lot of these universities where these students get given like the LVMH fund or they get given the, mm -hmm. the McQueen fund or whatever. And it's because they're like the most talented, but people don't actually realize that it's because they've been able to have the space to yes. do the work. Right. And most of the people that get these scholarships already have money anyway. Yeah. You know, not to be like controversial, but there is, it's not, it's the system's fault. Yeah. You know, yeah. ultimately if education was um, free or you got bursaries to, to further yourself mm -hmm. mm. in life, there would be a whole change in culture. Yeah. Like people would be dressing differently. Absolutely. Like you would have working class points of view, like being arbiters of taste and fashion, yeah. mm. like the whole landscape of fashion could change. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that I kind of really always like bring. That's why I like going back and educating right. and yeah. giving yeah. my perspective to students. No, absolutely. absolutely. I think it's so important. And, you know, if I may, I think this is a really good segue to the work that you have done for mm. AW24, yeah. um, mm. which a lot of it has to do with economic crises mm. um, and struggle and, you know, the, the lack of funding and help for the smaller Great Britain communities, mm. um, you know, for a lot of talent and 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 uh, and work that is being put into, you know, all of these young students, mm. but it's unseen mm -hmm. because they're in smaller communities in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for me, like I always like to kind of, uh, you know, because Loverboy's aesthetic and sensibility is sometimes, you know, it's it's very joyful. It's got a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. it can be a bit slapstick um, and. I always like to kind of imbue some sort of kind of messaging or a political angle across mm. it. So like yeah. famously, the last two seasons were about, um, you know, the spring summer season was about kind of reclaiming our um, space as being Caroleans because we're kind of now Caroleans under the royal, um, under Prince King Charles. So it's kind of our us reclaiming our space within that mm. yeah. space mm. before. And then the, the season before that was about kind of like working class culture and a working okay. class tale and being inspired by John Byrne's work. 
So for this, I kind of still wanted to do something. And I was really interested in the time 1979. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. About, about the year, basically, because it was such an important moment for the British history, you mm -hmm. know, like politically speaking. So yeah. yeah, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the collection itself is called The Curious Case of Moshkirk and Bunes. So it's a story that I created about like a, a sort of fake Scottish town called mm -hmm. Moshkirk and it's yeah. stuck in 1979 yeah. because of a meteor that flies over and it kind of locks, I don't want to give the game away. It's kind of like a fantastical town. It's a bit mighty boosh. It's a bit kind of like um, slapstick, but um, essentially this, these kind of, people are stuck in this time warp in 1979. And the idea is like, you know, what would a, a space that wasn't touched by the Conservative Party, mm -hmm. that wasn't touched by Thatcher at that time, you know, didn't have the industry ripped away from it. Um, what would a town that was also kind of really interested in the culture boom of the time, you mm -hmm. know, like the music that was going on, the kind of po uh, the art and the, the the kind of political movements, like what if the, that just kind of stayed and was able to kind of grow and develop? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what the collection and the story is around. And obviously the product is designed through, uh, you know, a multiple different lenses, you know, not only just kind of trying to develop products for the business and growing things in mm -hmm. sales, but, yeah. you know, it's sort of aligned with the the themes of the collection. But for me, it's just an opportunity to to speak to, you know, where we are now. Like it's kind of a parallel time, you know, we're, we're 13 years of a conservative government of yes. like, we're in an austerity moment. Like they've completely just made Great Britain a laughing stock. We've got Brexit. You know, there's lots of um, strikes still happening now yeah. in 2024. Yeah. That was happening back then. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to like look back. I always like to look at historical references. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I know the 17s don't seem so far away, but, you know, there's so many interesting parallels there. And because we're, we have decided to do something a little bit smaller instead of a show, because we've got our 10 year anniversary in mm -hmm. June. Um, so we're going to save money to do a bigger show then, you know, we want to do um, something smaller. So it's an opportunity to kind of think about film and video and yeah. um, the product, as I said, is, is very sales focused, but the storyline that kind of carries it allows me to kind of speak to the the, the the aspects I want to speak to. So kind of For culture sure. and, and politics and everything. Yeah. The film is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's like, mad, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I watched it because, you know, of course, you know, because of this podcast uh, yeah. now, but I was mind blown. Oh, I mean, me, I have you. to tell you is one of the best things that I have ever, ever oh, seen. I mean, That's so kind. wow. You. you know, like, congratulations. Thank it's, you it's, so it's much. so incredible. You know, like, I, I love everything about it. Obviously, you know, it's going to be revealed very, very soon, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. And the collection is, is wonderful. You know, you can see, all you know the the dna of your brand you know like mm. there and um but then always you know you find an incredible way you know to evolve every season and it's uh, what uh, what i really love about you is that when you see visually the pieces you know it's all so wearable you know yeah. like it's so easy to wear but still you know like so strong in terms of you know styling and references um yeah do you have any favorite pieces when you design a collection i mean is it something that you're like this i really love personally you know like and i wish people yeah. understand this more you know like yeah i think i mean for me like it's interesting having kind of going through this sort of um growth period in the brand like we've obviously got a responsibility to kind of you know, work and have conversations with our clients and our customers. So we want to like know what's doing well and respond to that and evolve mm -hmm. it. And we have certain hero products that we obviously um, keep doing again and again. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think 
this season, I mean, I always design stuff that I want to wear. So I'm quite very selfish. Like mm. I always kind of, I'm like, I would never not want, if I, even if, like if I was like a girl, I'd wear this or da 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 um, but then there's a, a, a whole other element that we do when we're designing, which is kind of, I guess, the kind of costume element of mm, it all. I mean, mm. I'm not afraid to say that anymore. Like no. we had like the costume element on the cover of Vogue in December, yeah. you know, like the kind of arm things. Incredible yeah. moment for yeah, you. Yeah, and you know, it just validated for it for me, you know. Oh, I yeah. think that before I've always thought like, oh, because we have a really natty, cool little workshop studio in Somerset House that, and we've always kind of gone back to doing co costume elements alongside wearable pieces. And I think you know, we're kind of a, like a localized couture. It's like our own weird way of doing things. Yeah. Um, I love a lot of the tailoring this season. Mm. Um, we have uh, some beautiful tartan that we've designed. It's kind of more of a check. It's a bit more of a reduced tartan. It's like a red and white checked suit. And then there's a, a really nice brown suit that I'm interested. that has got like uh, all of the knit knit knitwear details in it yeah. and everything. So um, for me, I mean, there's so many things that I really like. I also love the band outfits. Yes. Um, I mean, music's a huge part of Loverboy now. Um, I'm actually performing in the music video. You are. I'm the singer. And so <laughs> you are. So it's like, I actually so, just so was good. like, because at the very beginning, you know, when we were doing shows Fashion East, mm -hmm. we were so grateful to be able to give them an opportunity to like show ourselves. So it was always about doing really theatrical things with a no budget and just trying to scream and shout who we were, kind of like what the club night was about. Mm -hmm. It was loud, it was boisterous, mm -hmm. but then I was really interested in the theatre of it. Um, and then, you know, as we've grown, I think we've realised that there's time and a place for it. And actually, when I started to make music with some of my friends, I was thinking, God, this could be a vehicle for how mm -hmm. we showcase clothing as well. Like maybe Absolutely. when we're doing off-season things, like a film like we've yeah. done for this one, let's just do the Loverboy Makes Music project and actually yeah. like imbue it into the story and everything. And I think there's something kind of interesting I kind of have come back to with Loverboy. Like I kind of feel like in a weird way, it's like a like the jester of London, even though we show in different countries. And the, way, the thing I, I like about a jester, if you think about it historically, was that it was always kind of commenting on the politics of the time right. and entertaining the gentry, the king yeah. or whatever. But it was always able to sort of like, you know, stick the middle finger up at it, but then get away with it. And, <laughs> and then it was obviously doing it through comedy and it was doing it through colour. Yeah. yeah. And I see some parallels there to what we do. And I think that of there's course. something kind of like really innately British about mocking the powers that be. You know, we have a very interesting culture within like newspapers or, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, satirical cartoons. And it's kind of, I think, come from that history that we've yeah. had before. Yeah. And we're going through a, a really extreme time right now in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think it's using joy and comedy and colour to you know comment on it or say something yeah. mm. no, and it's perfect Absolutely. because i think you know you are such a performer and that shows not only in your designs but also the way that you showcase them right mm. it's it's that link between all the you as an interdisciplinary artist mm -hmm. um and it's brilliant you know bringing in your maybe your your culture or your country into you know the commentary of, of the work that you do yeah yeah totally yeah oh my god we could talk to you for Forever. hours I know, but I, know. I have one one last question i think yes. you know so you uh i remember the moment when you won you know the award you know like the british fashion that. award for yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. the best emerging designer mm -hmm. and um i want to know since then um what first of all you know how this 
um, affected you that moment? You know, like mm. what what did it mean for you, uh, and what the future holds? You know, like in terms of Charles and in terms of the fashion brand. Mm. And if there was one advice to give to a young designer that is looking up to you, who mm. I'm sure there are too many of them, you know, looking up to you, mm. what that advice would be? Okay, well, I mean, for me, that moment was so like dreamy and kind of felt so unreal. Like I can't, like I, I remember the moment, but it was just like, I just remember just almost like floating the whole time. I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Yeah. And um, it was just such a huge validation and yeah. it really took my brand to the next level. And I think, you know, I, I just we were doing some really powerful things at that time. Mm. And I was really kind of like personally pouring my heart and soul into it all. So then to have that validated, you know, it wasn't about building a business. It was about the art of it. Yeah. And to have it be validated at that point, you know, was really important for me, for my own personal mental state as well, <laughs> you know, so it was really good. And it just changed things. And, um, you know, where we're at now, where we're reflecting a lot on the last 10 years, mm. It's um, been so interesting just thinking about like the the the, the sort of leaps and strides that we've taken, um, not only as a business to where we've got to now, mm. um, you know, we've got a very healthy business, but it's also just like what we've kind of created in the certain things that we've talked about. And for me, it's really important to kind of reflect on the next 10 years and like, how do I refine my process and identify things in it and then push those things. So we're talking about the costume element, like mm -hmm. the Vogue cover, these aspects that we create that are always within the shows. Okay, how do we supercharge that amongst the wearable clothing that we know is important to bring into the mix? Mm -hmm. Um, so this is kind of like reflection moment that's going on. And as I said, you know, we've got um, our 10 year anniversary happening. And um, amazingly, I've got the opportunity to do an exhibition um, at Somerset House, which wow. is where that my is studio is um, and has been for the majority of my time. And it's a really big thing. I mean, like the exhibitions at Somerset House have like advertising all over London. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's some fantastic ones that are there just now. So we're going to be having an exhibition from June until September. And so that's going to reflect on the last 10 years, but it's less about um, a retrospective. It's more talking about London yeah. and all the things we've kind of talked about today. Like why was London such an amazing place at that time? Mm -hmm. How has it stimulated a person like me to create a brand like this? You know, what was going on at London um, to kind of stimulate that? So it's sort of a reflection on that and also kind of parallel times. So like, you know, in the eighties or the seventies mm -hmm. I'm looking at now, like what mm -hmm. was happening here. And then advice I would give, I am, um, I would say that it's kind of lame, but it's so important. Mm. You know, there's no such thing as petty cash. So like, I mean that more largely always think about money. And I know that people are like, oh, I don't have any money or not. Don't think. You can always have a little job on the side. You can always save for things. I know it's a very difficult time now that where uh, designers are kind of living in, but I would just say respect money, get good with money if you can. Mm -hmm. Like just take on board kind of like good behavior. It's hard because fashion is so frivolous, but actually if you want to start your own business, if you can just be really careful and every single penny goes mm. somewhere and yeah. just, just find a fun way to get into it and controlling everything. That's why I've been able to last for the last 10 years. And that's why we will continue to, because if you've got that, then you're fine, but it's not boring. Believe in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps as well. That is a great place to end this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Just really casually believe in yourself. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. Well, Charles, thank you so, so much for coming on. It is such a pleasure to talk to you always. Thank you so much. My thank pleasure. you so, so much. It was brilliant. And I hope we have you again back, you know, to hear about yeah, your, about this exhibition, it. you know, like and yes. we had a lot of questions about gossip, but you know, we yeah. have to get to these ones, you know, another yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just cut me on. Let's kick me out. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.